0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. begin this morning with uh, words of encouragement. And uh, there are some great ones in here. <clears throat> uh, huge thank you for the Halstead family uh, for fixing the roof on my shop. What a blessing your family is to us. Amen. There you go. And I guess that's from Ken I would guess, right? Yes. Okay. All right. There you are. I didn't think I needed to announce who I was. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I think it's pretty sweet. That's the guilty, called... The The, the neighborly love going on down at uh summer creek road uh kurt you are an awesome man of god thank you for being a good man a man with the spirit of barnabas the spirit of encouragement there you go thank you holly for using your amazing gift of making amazing desserts to bless so many during the pumpkin spice holiday bazaar including the preacher at Pleasant Hill. There you go. All right. I am the blessed recipient of a uh, pecan tart, a large pecan tart. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Whittingham, you are such a great mom. You do such a wonderful job. Keep up the great work. Where is she? Oh, there you go. I'm going to hand it back to her back there. That would be great. Okay. Uh, Bill Compton, you thank you for standing firm for the the truth always. Appreciate the love and encouragement you have for Christ church. Amen. Oh, by the way, another announcement. If you are finding in your house these floating all over the place and uh, you're finding that maybe you could use them for wallpaper, we have so many. If you'd like to return them and put them right over there, they'll be used in the future, so that would be great. Maybe do turn those in before you go. If you don't use them, that would be wonderful. Uh, Also, too, tonight, there will be no evening assembly, and uh, the small group Bible studies will continue as planned. And I think we have some birthdays coming up here. T.J. Winningham. T.J., you look amazing for 26 years old. It's it's astounding. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, you're 29. Okay, you're the same age as Alton. That's amazing. You were born on the same week, too. You guys are looking pretty good for 29. Man. (laughs) I like the hairdo, too, Alton. That's a great hairdo you got. So awesome. So we're going to have a birthday to them. Anybody else have a birthday this week? Yeah, I got, I got him, you got him. Yes, we're definitely singing to your dad. Are you on, Are you gonna sing to your dad? <laughs> you can sing to him on his actual birthday, right? All right, here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Woo-hoo! All right. Well, let's grab our uh, note sheets and grab our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts and chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, we're going to read verse 19 and 20 of Acts chapter 3. And you know, the first, uh, th- really the three quarters of the year we spent on on uh, Psalms uh, chapter 16 and verse 11, but now we're looking at Acts chapter 3. And verse 19. And we're going to read 19 and 20. Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you to whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration. Let's also turn in our Bibles to the book of 1 Peter And chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading there in verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you are called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you're blessed. Do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame for it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the blessing of the morning hour that we could assemble together we do pray, dear Heavenly Father, in the great name of your Son, Jesus Christ, you would help us to understand a little bit better the hope that we have in your Son, Jesus Christ. The hope that the gospel of Jesus Christ offers us. The hope that is secured in heaven for us. The hope that was secured through the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. The hope that comes from the indwelling presence of your son, Jesus Christ, in our hearts. Father, how thankful we are for the rich blessing of you being in us, working through us, having secured our salvation, that that we are seated at the right hand, your right hand in heaven. Lord God, now help us to realize the power of the manifestation of the hope that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to do our own study regarding hope, to see that our hope is founded on that which is absolutely eternal and immovable, steadfast. Father, I pray that you would help us to recognize that anything else in this life can provide not the hope that you desire for us in the relationship that we have with you through Christ Jesus. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. One of my favorite songs is Solid Rock. And it starts this way. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And then he goes on to talk about everything else is sinking sand. Everything else is sinking sand. Your relationship with God is the foundation for your hope. And the relationship with God is found in your listening to and responding to him as he would speak to you, both in your reading of his word and in your prayer. And so I would request that you consider that when Paul said, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Last week we talked about faith, the faith of Jesus Christ being our faith the convictions of Jesus Christ being our convictions. Our trust would be completely in God and not in any man or anything that man would offer as that which might provide hope. If you put your hope in the stock market, you put your hope in money, you put your hope in a president or a, or whatever, you put your hope in your wife or your husband, you put your hope in your kids, you put your hope in your job, all you put your hope in your health, all those things can be taken from you. But your relationship from from Jesus Christ cannot be taken from you unless you give it up, unless you walk away. They cannot take away your hope. And so my prayer this morning is, is that we would recognize and understand that true hope, hope that is absolutely stable, is built upon your relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to define what hope is. But I also want to talk about the foundation for our hope. Because if you don't build that foundation, then your life is going to shake out when the crush in your life comes. And by the way, we all have challenges and difficulties in our lives. Some more, some less. Hope that is sustained can only be found in Jesus Christ. So even in the times when we are greatly persecuted, as he's talking about here in regards to suffering. In fact, the letter to, to, written by Peter to the churches was actually written because of the huge suffering that was coming upon the church and would continue to come upon the church. Fourteen times in the book of Peter, it talks about suffering and more often than not suffering for doing the right thing. Or doing that which is righteous in God's eyes. And so we need to recognize that even in God's will it might be that we would suffer for doing what is right. And not to shrink back back, but continue zealously to do good. And so this morning I want to work on developing that hope. And then looking specifically at some great one-liners in the first Peter chapter, the section of scripture that we're looking at. So let's begin this morning in point number one. If you turn in your lesson plans to point number one, the defining of hope for our lives. And I'm talking about hope in Christ. I'm not talking about hope in the world. And so hope in Christ and his word is the only stable, constant hope. Everything else. Is like shifting sand and will go away. So look at the word hope there. And look up that word when you have opportunity and time on your own. The scriptures are chocked full of hope. And so I want to take a look at what Strong says hope is. The Greek words define this way to anticipate usually with pleasure an expectation with great confidence. The root word for that means to have faith and trust in god and his provision in thayer's it says that in which one confides or to which he flees for refuge who is the one or two or three people that you absolutely know are rock solid and they will always 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 champion you now that doesn't mean that they're going to be a rubber stamp guy they could be ones that will confront you and say what are you doing But because you trust them, because they have proved trustworthy, you'll embrace them and they will give you answers that will bring hope, confident, joyful expectation of good things. Christian hope, the joyful, confident expectation of the fulfillment of God's promises. Vine says in the New Testament, the favorable and confident expectation in an unseen future. Now, you take a look at the vast majority of people that you work with in the marketplace, friends, loved ones. You can see in their body language hopelessness, fear, worry, concern. (coughs) And if you start grinding on the things of this world and what can go away rather quickly, you might be there as well. But we must recognize that our lives are not our possessions. In fact, our life is really not our own. Our life was given to us by God. The things that we have are given to us because God has granted to us a measure of health and well-being that we can produce and we can enjoy the blessings of our labor. But the reality is, is those things are all passing away. You got a nice car, you got a nice car, uh, Truck, you got a nice house, you got some nice land, you got a nice bank account. All that stuff can go away, and someday it will go away for all of us. So is that what you built your hope on, or do you continue to invest yourself in the relationship with Jesus Christ? What is the foundation for Christian hope? First Timothy chapter one. Turn with me there, if you would. 1 Timothy in chapter one and verse one. Notice how Paul begins this epistle to the young man timothy paul an apostle of christ jesus according to the commandment of god our savior and of christ jesus who is our hope your hope real hope sustained hope eternal hope is found in jesus christ but look at the next passage of scripture first peter chapter one and verses 18 down through 21 Our hope is built upon not only Jesus Christ, but what God has accomplished for you through him. 1 Peter in chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Notice what the apostle Peter says. He says here in verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished, spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, for your sakes, who through him are believers in God, the God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Now, we're not going to know a person's hope until life gets really, really bad and the things in their life are taken away. Then we're going to know where their true hope is placed. So I want you to think for just a moment about those that we have read of in the scriptures. Take a moment and turn back with me to the book of Hebrews in chapter 10. The book of hebrews in chapter 10 beginning in verse 32 this is a foreign passage of scripture to us we we can't really understand it we've not experienced it we know that others have in this present day and age but we never have but what happens if it were to happen where would your hope be Verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 10. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly becoming and, and partly becoming shares with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your hope, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. We read in 1 Peter, it may very well be the will of God that you would suffer terribly for doing what is right. You know, in in our history, in my personal history, in the last 63 years, I have never really suffered like this. It is. I don't understand it by way of experience. Have I seen it in other countries? I have seen it in Ghana. I have seen it in Belarus. It's happening now in other countries in the world. So we must be prepared to make, to allow all that we have possession-wise to be taken. They allowed that knowing that they had a better possession in heaven. That's a a frightening thing, honestly, to think about that possibly happening. But the reality is, is that where your hope is? Is that where your confidence is? Is that where your life is? Of course it's not. That's why Jesus Christ said, if you love anyone more than me, or if you love your stuff more than me, there's no hope you're not my disciple so we need to recognize the foundation is built upon jesus christ and what god has provided and our faith in what god has provided through jesus christ that great and wonderful sacrifice but let's look at colossians chapter one again the foundation for our hope colossians chapter one verse 21 through 23 And although, we were for, although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless beyond reproach if, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established, steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel That you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Do not move from the hope of the gospel. Now, I would ask you this question. Do you know what the gospel is? Do you know the seven critical, important aspects of Christ's life and sacrifice? subsequent exaltation to glory do you know what they are because not only should you know what they are the scripture teaches that we should believe them that they did happen in Christ's life and that we are to obey them we are to actually participate in them the hope of the gospel is only granted to those who believe and obey the gospel of Jesus Christ See, our hope must be built upon his sacrifice and not on your works. It's his works that secure our salvation, not our works. It's his giving of everything, not our keeping some and giving some. We must recognize our hope is built upon Christ. There may come a day when our possessions are taken. There may come a day when we do not have the liberties that we so Love so much now. Are you willing to live for Christ and not for your stuff? It's an important question. Is our hope, we sing it all the time, is our hope built on nothing but the the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and righteousness? Let's read on in the book of Hebrews in chapter 6. God is... An awesome God who does not forget anything that you do by faith, but will reward you richly in this life and in the life to come. Let's read it. Hebrews in chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Reading down through verse 20. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust to so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance, the full confidence, the full trust of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises for when God made the promise to Abraham since he could not swear by uh, since he could swear by no one greater he swore by himself saying I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you and so having patiently waited he obtained Abraham obtained the promise for men swear by one greater than themselves and with them an oath given as a confirmation is an end of every dispute In the same way, God desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise, by the way, a.k.a. that's you, Christian, heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie and it's impossible for him to change his purpose, once he's established his purpose, it's unchangeable, And once he has made a statement what he will do, it's unchangeable. By two unchangeable things, it's we have taken refuge, would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Now, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil where Jesus Christ has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Does your Bible say that when you became a Christian that you were crucified with him, that you were buried with him, and that you were raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Does your Bible say that? It says that in more than one place. We are seated with him in the heavenly places and he has gone before us and he's seated at the right hand of God and it says that we are in Christ seated with him in the heavenly places your hope is already secure in heaven but you can walk away from that do not walk away from the one and only hope immovable jesus christ his sacrifice and his exaltation to the right hand of god brethren it's so important for us to recognize this if you do not read your scriptures every day You're going to hear the world constantly beckoning you and telling you how horrible life is. And you'll be greatly discouraged. It's easy. But if you will focus on what God has promised and see how He's fulfilled every promise, you'll have that great confidence that the promises for you individually as a Christian are secure. You know, when you go through the scriptures and you look at all the promises, they are amazing. Absolutely amazing promises. And so, how many of you have heard the promise by Jesus that if you will sacrifice all for him, give up everything for him, you'll be blessed a hundredfold blessing in this life. Oh, and you'll get persecutions too as an extra added bonus. You've heard that before. That's not prosperity doctrine. That's a promise of God. Now, he's not saying you give a buck and I'll give you 10. You give me 100, I'll give you 1,000. That's not what's being said there. You lay your life down in service of Jesus Christ and make him your only hope. And the blessings in this life will come, even if that includes persecution for doing what's right. That will be a blessing from God as well. But we must have the right mindset to embrace it as such. That's not the normal fleshly human mindset. But that's found in the scriptures and we're going to turn to that scripture right now. First Peter in chapter 3. Turn with me there if you would as we finish up this morning. In First Peter in chapter 3, as you'll take a look at your note sheet, I've, I've kind of dissected it a little bit. There are three parts, the purpose for which we were called. Why did God call us out of darkness into his marvelous light? There's a reason. We have a purpose, and it's clearly laid out what our purpose is. The purpose is to work together as a body, a single body, the body of Christ. The second is be zealous for good works. Be willing and able to suffer for righteousness' sake. And then finally, be ready Be ready to give a defense. Now, what's the title of the lesson this morning? The title of the lesson The Power of the Hope That Defines Us. The power of hope defines us. How do people see you at the workplace? How do people see you in your family circle? How do people see you in the context of the body of Christ? How do people see you in the marketplace? Do they see you worried, fearful, frustrated, angry, grumpy? Is that how they see you? Or do they see you hopeful? As it is, confident expectation of what God will provide to those who love him. Well, let's take a look now at these three sections. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. And I'd like to read uh, verses uh, uh, 8 down through how better get there? Verses 8 down through uh, verse 12. To sum up, let all, to sum up, all of you be harmonious. That means that we need to be working in concert to fulfill God's desire that none should perish and that all should come to repentance. Do you know what's God's desire in two places? One in 1 Peter uh or second peter three and also in first timothy two it's god's heart's desire that all would come to a knowledge of salvation all come to repentance that means that we have work to do as i said this morning not all of us have the same giftedness but all of us have a part in this and so it's important for us to recognize that so let's begin harmonious sympathetic we need to be thoughtful of others Sympathetic. What does that mean actually? Is it possible to walk in somebody else's shoes? Is it possible to walk in somebody else's shoes? The only way that you can do that is become what they are with the same commitment as they have. Have you ever been on the job before and someone's railing on you because of your job, but they've never walked in your shoes? They've never done what you've done. They've never fulfilled that responsibility. And yet they're an expert and they can tell you how to do it. There's a problem here, Houston. You see, we need to be sympathetic. Before we open our mouth and say something that's a little disparaging, we should put ourselves in that other person's shoes. I've come to realize, as you all well know, I've said this before, that every decision I've ever made in my life as an evangelist has been wrong, terribly wrong to somebody. It's true. When I was a teacher, every lesson I brought was terribly wrong to somebody. We need to recognize and understand that We as a people need to put ourselves in other people's life situation before we start railing. I think Ben said it very well this morning. We need to be a little bit mindful, thoughtful of what others are going through. But let's take a look at the next part here to sum up. We must be sympathetic. We should also be some other things for the brethren. Brotherly. Now, I heard yesterday at the memorial that uh, uh, Charles' brothers used to fight a lot. I guess Charles Bach or Charles, Charles Bach's brother wrestled. And so it kind of sounded like Charles usually would get the best at the start, but then his brother would get him down, and then, uh, of course, their dad would have to come in and kind of referee. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about brotherly kindness, brotherly love, brotherly sympathy, brotherly harmony. When it says kind hearted, it literally means kind in all ways. Remember, kind means to be helpful and then humble in spirit. You know, when someone tells me how great they are at something, well, I'm glad they share that. But then I watch. And sometimes instead of being great in their own time, they are great in their own mind. And so it's important that that we be humble and allow God to use us where he would use us. It says, uh, do not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing instead. I really appreciate Jeff Drillinger. He has consistently brought this lesson into my life. And he's probably brought it into your life as well. Pretty amazing guy. And so, if someone insults you, what's the natural human response? Insult back. If someone criticizes, if someone, as it it says here, uh, insults or does evil. Payback is fair play. Well, no, it's not. Is that how Jesus worked out? They nailed him to the cross. He says, "So, okay, all of you guys are going to hell. I'm not paying for your sins. I'm paying for everybody else's sins, but I'm not paying for yours. Is that how he did it? Nope, he didn't do it that way. And so it's important for us to recognize that in the context of the family, of the body of Christ, we need to work together with these character qualities. But notice this next verse is powerful. You were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing by being a blessing. Look at the Old Testament scripture. The one who desires life to love and see good days must do three things. What are the three musts there? The first must is you must speak good words. The second must is you must do good deeds. And the third must is you should seek peace, harmony as it were. How important that is. And then he closes by saying, for the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, Eric has has been a good brother of Christ in many times in my life. Eric, we've had coffee, we're having coffee this week. I'm excited about that. Uh, Depending on where and when and how we're gonna do that, might have to be coming to my house. But the interesting thing is this, is that Eric has shared with me a great lesson he says, don't sweat the little stuff. In fact, don't really sweat the big stuff. God's got it. That's pretty much the lesson you've taught me more than once. And I appreciate that. I don't know if I've learned it perfectly, but... I'm good at giving advice and not following it. So... Okay, well... <laughs> I'm good at hearing advice and nodding my head and, and, and not following through either. But, but the reality is, is that lesson, you've shared that lesson more than once and that lesson has always been timely. The reality of this is that, you know what? The Lord knows what you're doing and what you're saying and he knows the intent of your heart. Why not be genuine and honest with God so that you are harmonious, that you are not throwing an insult back, that you're not criticizing, you're not returning evil. Why not just, you know what? God is watching. I'm going to be the man that's pleasing to him in every respect. Saying, what does that have to do with hope? Everything. Let's continue to read. Verse 13. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. I'm going to stop right there. There's two great things in that passage of scripture. Look at the notes once again. Verses 13 and verse 16. What does verse 13 say? Be zealous for good. Be willing to suffer for righteousness' sake. But look at verse 17, or excuse me, verse 16 also. Read verse 16 with me. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. In other words, you may be doing things right and people are going to slander you. And honestly, and I'm not being mean here, There might be some grumbling about statements I have made even this morning. Decisions I've made even this morning. That might be the case. But my prayer is is that you would look at yourself as a man of God. Follow through with your convictions based on the scripture. And if you have a difference of understanding, sit down and talk with me. As I would do that for you. I think that's the right thing to do. And so be zealous for good. But be willing to suffer for the sake of doing what is right. You know when you do good. And those who are evil. Are impacted by your doing good. What are they going to do? They're going to bring the crush. That's just how it works. Same with this up here about being slandered for doing what is good. But I want you to take a look at the other passage there, verses 14 and 17. Look at verse 14. It says here, But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And verse 17, it says, For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. Is it okay to suffer for doing what is right? It might even be God's will. Are you willing to embrace that? To suffer for doing what is right. Do you remember Paul when he healed a little slave girl that was possessed by a demon? The Apostle Paul healed that little slave girl. What a sweet blessing that was. Set her free. Man, he got the Citizen of the Month award in Philippi. It was amazing. Do you remember reading that scripture? I don't either. What did he get for doing that? He was beaten mercilessly. And he was, and he was thrown in prison. And what was he doing in prison? He was praising God. That he was considered worthy to suffer for his name's sake for doing what was right. I love that picture. Maybe we should get a better missile lock on that picture. What do you think? Maybe we might need it in the future. Who knows? But I want to close with this last part. The last part, take a look at the last section of point number two. Be ready to give a defense of the hope within. The very first thing you need to do is, well, let's look at verse 15. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. The word sanctify means to set apart, to give right place to. So who is the Lord of your life? Remember the the most deceitful idol or god in this world is self who's on the throne of your heart god knows and if you're honest with yourself you know too and your actions will betray you and your words will betray you even if you try to cover it up so it's so important That you decide that Christ is going to be Lord. That word Lord there, by the way, is kephle. It means head. It means master. It means he calls the shots. That's why you want to listen to him each day, whether morning or evening or midday. You should listen to him and follow through. The blessings will come, if you will. But look at the next part there in this. It says, always being ready to give a defense. Always being ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account of the hope that is in you. You know what's interesting about this scripture? People are asking you about the hope in your life. Remember what hope is? Trusting God in everything. Confident expectation with joy. And as the world burns the christians should have a confident expectation of the great blessings that will come in this life and in the life to come that's a rather odd picture honestly in this covid crisis era it is an odd picture and yet it's a picture that is so unusual it's compelling you know it's rather interesting i don't i've never hunted antelope before but I found something interesting. I've been told by many who have been successful that if you go near water and you, and you get in the sagebrush and you get a little stick and you have a little white little flag on it, if you shake the little flag, those guys can see a bazillion miles. Antelope can see, well, is it a bazillion miles or something a little less? Bazillion and one, I was a little bit short. Now, the reason I know that, it's absolute truth is that I went up on top of a bluff in eastern Oregon and there was a, a antelope that I could barely see as a speck and it was ch- trotting along. I got my binoculars up and I was trotting along and then I, I moved a little bit and it stopped and it looked right at me. And I kept looking at it and it wouldn't stop looking at me. So I, when I got up to move a little bit, it decided it wanted to go the other way. I could not see it hardly with my naked eye. They can see a bazillion in one mile. But you get a little white thing out there and you do this by a water hole and they're going to go, hmm, what is that? Maybe that's the, maybe that's, uh... how many of you know they have white, white, white rear ends? Maybe that's uh Jason's rear end. I wonder if he's down at the water hole too. I'm going to go down there and check it out. It's absolutely true. Then What does that have to do with the sermon? Everything. Go back and take a look at the scripture. People are going to see the hope and you're going to go, what's that (laughs) what is that anyway it's hope the hope that you have that's the craziness there's no hope in this life there's no reason to be joyful there's no reason yes there is there's living water in you brethren overflowing as we've already learned living water overflowing when people see the living water they see the christ in you look at colossians in chapter one again and read it a little bit more fully on your own time it's absolutely amazing christ in you the hope of glory the absolute confidence that you're going to manifest his great glory in this life and in the life to come people are going to be drawn near to you they will How many people have been asking you, hey, I've noticed that you're not being shook too bad by this craziness. What's going on with you anyway? What you eating these days? I don't know. They might ask you all sorts of questions. But you know what? People are drawn to people who have hope. How do I know that's true? Do you remember Paul in prison? Singing joyfully? That jailer, when the... Earthquake came and shook the jailhouse. That jailer did not go to anybody, but who? Who did the jailer go to? All the moaning and groaning guys. Oh, it's terrible! You guys, jerk! I'm getting for nowhere. I'm it, He didn't go to those guys. Who did he go to? He went to the one man that had hope, and that guy became a Christian. You see how powerful hope is. So my question is, is how many people are asking you, Hey, what's going on with you anyway, man? This is crazy, crazy stuff. And you're not crazy like the rest of us. Wouldn't that be something? It can only happen if we have genuine, not fake it. How are you doing? Great. I'm doing great. I'm fantastic. I'm more than fantastic. I'm incredible. You are? Well, no, not really. But that's what I've been told to say. No, if you have confidence in Christ, there is a countenance of hope that can be seen. Now I want to close with this, this last part of the lesson. For the hope that is in you, there is hope in us. The hope is in us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our hope is Jesus Christ and in obedience to the gospel, we receive Jesus Christ in our bodies. And our hope is Christ Jesus. And the manifestation of Christ is the manifestation of hope. And so, brethren, when people ask, as it says here, we need to to respond to them with gentleness and respect. It's pretty easy to slam someone who's messed up in their life. It's pretty easy to judge people. Anybody can do that. and Unfortunately, a lot of people do. But hope is going to extend gentleness. Hope is going to extend respect. Can I go back to a sermon a couple weeks ago? The woman with five husbands, divorced, and the guy she's living with isn't her husband. And Jesus asks for a little water. That woman walked away and she got a taste of living water and it changed her life. And you know what? Jesus was gentle with her, wasn't he? He didn't judge her for all the terrible mistakes she made. He didn't look down on her because she was a woman, because she was a Samaritan, because that's not culturally correct. He was gentle and he was respectful. And that woman changed that whole city with her proclamation and testimony about Jesus Christ. And what was it that caused her to do that? The hope and the living water, the Spirit given by Jesus Christ. You see, all these lessons work together. My prayer is that people are going to come out of the woodwork and start asking us. Wow, I want what you got. I want the hope that you have. I want the joy that you have. I want the confidence you have. I want the trust that you have. I want the security you have. I want it. I'm not going to say it that way, but they're going to draw near and they're going to start asking questions. It's important for us to be living the life. Now more than ever, I believe, to be the lights of the world is going to draw more people. But will we embrace them wherever they're at in their life and draw them to Jesus Christ? That's the question. So our hope then, our hope is what defines us in the minds of others. But I might add in closing, our hopelessness might define people's understanding of who we're not so important we understand the power of hope and my prayer is that as we move on and we're going to take a look at the power of love and the presence of Christ's spirit in us next week we'll see truly that faith hope and love powerfully will pierce the darkness in our culture and how desperately we need that let's pray Holy God in heaven, we know that the faith that we're to possess is the faith of Christ as we have faith in him and what he was able to accomplish for us and what now he can accomplish through us. We pray, Father, also too, that we'd understand hope, that hope is putting our full trust in you, that you are our refuge. Our money is not, our other worldly relationships are not, but our relationship with you and the investments we make in building your kingdom father because of who you are and what you've done father that is where our hope lies and father finally as we would finish this series we're going to spend the next several weeks as we close out the year on what love looks like and how powerful it is to pierce the darkness help us dear heavenly father to remember that jesus warned that at the destruction of of jerusalem that the love of many would grow cold And so, Father, if it be that this is the last hour for mankind, the love of many might grow cold, but we, we should be the ones who love as you loved until the very end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand and get ready to tell people what we're going to do. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. go. Get all excited, go tell everybody that... Jesus Christ is King, get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King, get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King, Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings, King of Kings. Woohoo! Alright, let's get her done. Thanks once again for listening.